0: Welcome to Hard Hat and Tales. My name is Adrian Mansfield. I've been working with the construction sector now for over a decade. In this podcast we're going to talk to leaders from the construction sector both in the UK and globally and ask them about their track record, how they got into the industry and some of the main challenges they're facing as we go into the next post-COVID world. Welcome to today's Hard Hat and Tales podcast and I'm joined today by Stuart Wilkes and Annie Clift who are both directors of Limeslade and Limeslade is supports professional services across the construction and civil engineering market and a few other areas and I suppose I should now turn it over to both Andy and, and to to Stuart to give us a bit of a, a background to the, to the company themselves so welcome to the podcast today both of you and uh... Annie, anyway, why don't we start with you? Would you give us a bit of a, an overview okay. of yourself and, and the company?
1: So Stuart and I met when we both worked for a firm of expert witnesses. Stuart was there for around 20 years. I was there maybe six years in the construction space. And we together looked after marketing, business development, and we ran events all over the world. And then Stuart decided to leave and set up LimeSlade, And a year later, I left and joined him. And basically what we do is similar to what we did there. We look after marketing, business development and events for a whole load of different companies in the construction, engineering, legal sectors. And so our clients range from anywhere from kind of lawyers, barristers, expert witnesses through now, you know, which is where we kind of started. Now we kind of look after project managers, quantity surveyors, construction technology, all sorts of different, different kind of areas within the construction sector. Great.
0: And 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 obviously, sure, so you've been twenty years as an expert witness. That must have been a, an interesting, uh, interesting time.
2: Twenty years working with expert. Oh wait, so
0: with, with expert witnesses. I, apologies, yeah.
2: Didn't ever <laughs> did get into the dirty world of um, actually doing <laughs> the expert witness work. So uh, although I did a little bit of helping out with sort of things called delay analysis, which some people might be familiar with, when a project's gone into delay, lots of people mm. spend a lot of time working out why it went into delay, why it was late. Things like Wembley Stadium and the Jubilee Line in this country, for example and there's lots of other examples from around the world that we worked on so yeah, yeah so it's, yeah and, and obviously over 20 years you pick up a few bits and pieces and I thought to myself well perhaps this can be something that somebody else might want to pay me for so I, we gave it a go and here we are four years later still getting paid for it oh
0: well that's always a good thing That's always a good thing if you're enjoying it and you're getting paid for it it's double it's a double whammy isn't it let's face it so in terms of the, the, the just going on to that then in terms of the, the business development side of, of it and trying to help people grow their businesses I mean Obviously, from my background in terms of recruitment, that's kind of written into the core of what you do in in that sort of market. But but from a from a professional services point of view, the sort of lawyers, accountants, and and land, as you say, civil engineering, construction companies, that seems to be an area that a lot of them don't feel is is part of their natural ethos of work, should we say? So how do you how do you find that in in those spaces, trying to get people to sell or helping them to sell? Do you want to answer that?
1: It is hard because a lot of a lot of people think when there is a business development team that that's they don't need to do anything. But it's <laughs> yeah. really hard when you're selling people to sell without the people you know, to show off and, and everything. How we work is we try to, we have quite a big network between us. And we're always working to expand that and and get to know as many people in the industry and and beyond the industry as we can. And we almost we kind of call it almost like a dating service, we try and figure out who would be a right fit with who and who's not just necessarily just because they do what what they, we think that they can sell to each other, but who really would work well together and kind of where personalities and kind of work ethics and stuff collide. And we try and match people up that way with our clients. So, and then facilitate introductions and help them kind of build those networks. Yeah. We also do training for people. So, you know, with one of our clients, we're working on them. You know, their directors are quite happy to do business development, but they've got a team underneath who are kind of coming up in the industry. So we're yeah. working with them to give them the skills and the confidence to go out there and do it. Because a lot of the time you you kind of you don't do any business development, you're not allowed to do anything and then all of a sudden you get to a point in your career where you're expected to have a network. So that's yeah. quite
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that's something that, that we come across a lot with, particularly with law firms where they you know, that the, the, they're very good solicitors, they'll be very good lawyers, they'll have done all the practice and all the all the experience that they've they've needed to get to where they are. And then all of a sudden, somebody says to them, right, now you've got to go out and talk about the business and talk to people. And they're like, well, that's, that's that wasn't in the job description. That's not what I signed up for. I want to be a lawyer. But obviously, yeah. to, to, to progress and to develop the business, you have to be able to do that stuff. So we've done a lot of training and a lot of coaching and mentoring with people to, to work out how they can improve themselves and how they can improve the business and and go out there and talk to people about it
0: yeah and i suspect particularly looking at the construction market nowadays and knowing it from from my side of the the, the house if you like there's quite a there's a there's a push now with some of these bigger projects for for sort of combined programs or or companies coming together almost to sort of you know the old transformer model of bringing bits and pieces from everywhere and making it for a whole to make to bring it together so i suppose there's a lot of that in terms of the work you're doing with Connecting partners and people together that maybe helps them. One company could do this bit, but necessarily can't take the whole piece on. Do you have, do you have any sort of work? Does that areas that you look at or work in? Or yeah,
2: I think yeah, we we work with all sorts of people, and that's the great thing about what we do is it's trying to work out who can work best with who. So we have architects who want to meet project managers, project managers who want to meet surveyors, who want to meet um, developers. So there's it's a matter of yeah. Again, we spend a lot of our, our time trying to develop, develop our network to make sure that we know as many people as possible to be as useful to all the other people as we possibly can be so that they can all be useful to each other. It's all a big, a big circle of happiness, hopefully.
1: yeah. And, and I think it's kind of sorry. important to, to help people understand that sometimes it's not just targeting the people that are going to be your direct clients. Mm. So a lot of the time people will come along to a networking or whatever, they'll look at the list and go, I want to talk to this person and that person. And, and really, you know, having that wider Look around and who can you help? Who can you join up with? Who can you do? Sometimes even your competitors. You know, we spend a lot of time getting to know people in in the same space as us because you never know when opportunities can arise together, or they might be better at something, you might be better at something. You can you can help your clients in other ways. So,
0: no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when I was chatting to some of the guys, as you both know, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, and you talk to a lot of the countries out there because it's such a small market comparatively they all know each other yeah. and, and they know almost, you know, what, which which projects like to do one by which which company. So they just, you know, they just that knowledge just gets pulled around and there's there's things coming up and they know, you know, well, actually you're better fit for that because we've got these two projects on at the moment. So therefore we're not going to be able to really go after that. So it's, it's an interesting market when you think of it in that kind of space in, in something like the UA, which is such a small comparative market, the, the interreactions of the people at the middle levels and lower levels are actually quite key to the, the companies how they how they become successful in almost because they they kind of oh well, actually there's no point going for that one because we're not going to be able to get it because we haven't got enough bandwidth or whatever mm-hmm. so they kind of point other people in the right direction so they can then win the next one if you like so it's not necessarily just about winning the project today it's about thinking about the future in the long term sort of for both everybody really so have you found coming back to the the, the client base that you're working in obviously it's a quite a disparate group of companies etc so I'm guessing this is a Very. Whereas some companies I speak to, and it's like, oh, actually, no, very very specific position on this one. But how have you found the last 12 months? Just generically from a a COVID point of view, how how have you and your clients found that over the last 12 months? It's been for your side. I think
2: from initially we panicked a little bit (laughs) at this time last year we were like ah what do we do now because our business is shaking hands meeting people going out having lunches doing nice things with people in person and um all of a sudden overnight you couldn't do any of that and so we we were very much of the the view well initially i was of the view that we were we were a bit screwed but but yeah the the first thing we did was to look at internet look at internet the first thing (laughs) we did was to look at the uh, the various platforms that are out there yeah and to see what we could um, see, what we could use in terms of getting ourselves out there online mm-hmm. so that we could do webinars, we could do face-to-face meetings virtually, networking virtually, all of this sort of stuff. And, and we adapted and, yeah, hope it seems that we've survived because we've picked up some new clients. We've got clients now that we're working with, as I think lots of people have, that they've never met in person. Yeah. So there are people out there that we're working with that we'd, we'd love to meet them in, in real life, but we just never have. I, Annie, I don't know if you've got any different perspectives or any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah I think yeah very similar you know for our clients a similar thing that they went into panic mode and kind of you know closed out let's just do what we can do so to survive the next few weeks and then most of our clients particularly particularly in the kind of disputes world they, they've been really busy you know busier than ever if not normally busy we you know project manager wise they, they were a little bit quieter a lot of projects stalled but then they found they're, they're busier than ever as well I think all across the board I think there's it's been so surprising that the industry has carried on and, and sort of not really slowed down a huge amount. I mean, there are, there, is, there is probably lots of problems bubbling away and, and things that need to be resolved still, but...
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the things that we have noticed is that suddenly everybody can do things internationally. I was talking to somebody on a, a webinar that we ran this morning and they were saying, well, last week I was up in York doing a, a webinar with my old university lecturer, but she wasn't actually in York. The, the webinar was just somebody from her old university in york and i i was out at the weekend cycling with an architect who's become a visiting lecturer at the university of kansas i think it was but he's never been to kansas in his yeah. life but you know all of these things that would people would never have thought of doing previously because you know Jerry, the architect from london would never have bothered himself to become a, a visiting lecturer at the university of kansas, kansas had it not been for zoom and all of these things that we've got now so
0: yeah i mean i think people have embraced that idea of you know being able to 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 be part of a virtual team or part of a group and you know back to what you're talking about in terms of your client base looking at those markets and opportunities overseas that perhaps they they wouldn't have done before because of the risk of you know having to get on a plane and go and spend four or five days out in a country to try and potentially win a project there's a lot of cost mm. in that implications wise both in terms of lost cost potentially in the uk and and just the cost of going over there so now you can do it via zoom and via by the other mediums i still argue that you probably want to get out there at some point to see them but at least, at yeah. least you can start the relationship with this model don't you? so it's great so it obviously sounds like your clients are embracing these sort of new new models in terms of webinars and and, and other models We've podcasts and things like that which are obviously becoming more prevalent recently so something that your guys are your clients are sort of looking at are they, are they on board with the webinar thing
2: yeah it's funny that the the first ones that we did i mean do you remember annie we we spoke to paul and and bill one of yeah. our main clients and they were like oh I don't think we should do that you know we
1: were supposed to hold an in-person event the week of lockdown and mm. so we was like this isn't going to go ahead and Ministry it was like let's take it online and they were like oh we've never done that before you know I'm not sure about this and we said mm. we've been up you know we'd been up three nights testing every possible webinar system we could find and yeah trying to break them all and seeing how they worked. So, you know, we was like, trust us, we can do it, we can do it.
0: Now, now they're probably experts at it and they're doing it constantly.
1: Yeah.
2: As a result, they were one of the first people to do it. And so they've got a good following and they picked up loads of contacts and clients through being the first people through the door, which is, yeah. I mean, if you if you find yourself in that situation and you suddenly, you take, take the ball by the horns and do something like that, it, it can go one of two ways, I guess, can't it? Yeah. It could have gone horribly wrong, but it didn't. And yeah, and it's it certainly paid off for them.
0: Well, I think that's the benefit of having people like yourself around who can help guide and spend that time because they probably didn't have the bandwidth to do that yeah. three or four nights up so looking at the different webinar solutions and, and breaking each one to make sure that's the right one. So <laughs> the fact you've done that work for them means that they can then. They can then produce it and deliver it properly, sort of thing, if you like, or, or at least with some more confidence than they perhaps would have done if it was themselves. So coming out of this COVID scenario, and hopefully, as I was just chatting to Annie, actually having taken my daughter out for a few days of, of outdoor activities over the last week, which I think neither of us were match fit particularly for, uh, having not been out much. Over how do you see the future coming? How, how is your, how are your clients and your your customers? How are they doing the next? period of time as we come out of this this COVID uh, pandemic and into the sort of more new normal, should we say? How's is, how is that feeling from your side? Go on, Annie. You...
1: Yeah, I think everyone's optimistic. I mean, we're definitely looking forward to getting to see people in person again, looking forward to putting on real in-person events. You know, that's something that we did a lot of and something that we both really enjoyed doing and part of the reason why we set up this business, you know. So doing that, again, will be really good. And, and I think for our clients as well, I, I think you can you can develop relationships through zoom and you can you can particularly maintain them but Mm. nothing does beat the face-to-face kind of connection so I think we will be doing that I think it's been good for us in terms of internationally where say perhaps like Dubai where we might have been there before a couple of times a year now we're catching up with people on zoom and they're much more comfortable so we are talking to people a little bit more keeping those relationships a little bit stronger Mm. while we're not out there but similarly I think you know, we're keen to get back out to the to the, the places in the world that we do business as well. So,
2: yeah, and I think the other thing that we're we're very keen to look into and and working on at the moment is hybrid events. So, in terms of getting things moving again, I think there's going to be a lot lot of people who will be wanting to do things at home, and some people who want to go out. And then we're going to have to cater for both of those people. Some people won't want to be out and about so they'll want the zoom things and the, the online things to continue so we're looking into how best to stream stuff how to do things virtually and in person and see what the combinations are going to be like because that's the i think that potentially could be the next the next thing that people have to cope with is the fact that everything's going to be half and half people have got very comfortable with being on, online at home and and not wanting to go back into the office and into the into the the world of shaking hands and meeting people again
0: yeah no, very true i mean uh, annie uh, and uh, both of you i think that the, you know that the, i think from my side of things talking about the zoom thing i think you've absolutely heard from the the idea of you know you can you can keep relationships and you can talk to people and you can understand them but i just think you know the idea of that going to an event and meeting people and, and building it's so much easier to build a rapport with somebody new when you you're at an event and you get introduced to them by somebody else and and you can kind of have that face-to-face contact so the quicker and sooner we can get back to doing that I'll I'll be one of those ones that's quite happy to sign up to that quite quickly but but I do agree with a few things now and I think given the travel situation and we talked a bit about the Middle East and we'll come on to it a bit more in a second but that idea of you know places like Saudi and Dubai and the UAE and things like that where people are keen perhaps to look at things but perhaps traveling there particularly with things like the Red List at the moment from the UK perspective is tough so that ability to have a hybrid event where people perhaps in the UAE could attend in person but people from outside can can go along and, and sort of be there virtually for one of event description. You know, I think uh, there, there seems to be quite a few of those sort of models cropping up now. And I expect that's going to be the case for a few few months at least in terms of yeah, until the rest of this year, maybe, and even going on from there, maybe.
2: And another thing I was saying today is that I think people have got very used to their personal space, you know, so people like don't want to be fighting over the the sausage sandwiches first thing in the morning and and cramped yeah. into a little corner of a restaurant so you know they'll be they'll be wanting to be a little bit further apart from each other so i think venues and things like that are going to have to think about how they how they can maximize space and how they can use reuse the space so again you know something we've spoken to architects and other people about over the last 12 months is how is space going to be used in future? How are, how are buildings going to be used in future? Flats are going to need outside space. Everyone's going to want a balcony. Annie lives in a flat in in London that has no outdoor space whatsoever. And people yeah. are not going to want that sort of stuff in future. And similarly, for venues and things like that, people, again, we've been looking at what we can do in terms of the the big events that we used to run in person where people are next to each other or people are very close to each other making sure that there's going to be enough space for them to be able to keep away from each other if they want to so there's all yeah. those sorts of yeah lots of considerations going forward
0: yeah i heard something this morning on uh, on one of the things i was listening to about the fact that hsbc is apparently going to take away their their upper echelon management structure is right at the top of canary wharf they've got the whatever the floor, top floor it is, and mm. they're basically going to turn it into a conferencing venue and sort of meeting zones and breakout areas and all that kind of stuff because a none of those senior executives are in the office very much because they're all flying around the world and b just as you say they're looking to use the space in a different way now they're looking to have those bigger areas for people to do events in meetings in or whatever it might be that gives people that kind of ability to be a little bit further apart than perhaps they would have been before it just makes the so you say looking at how those spaces can be can be used for, for people because you know i'm sure well you certainly go up and i've definitely been at these events where you're kind of not quite sardine but there's a bit of a kind of a rush for the buffet straight after all the coffee <laughs> more the coffee things actually particularly in the morning at those 7 30 a.m ones the coffee machine gets quite the, quite a hard working
1: doesn't it from- i'm not looking forward to again is is having to get up to get into central london for breakfast <laughs> meetings <laughs> not looking forward to that part of, of the job i'm sure i'll be fine <laughs> once i'm there but waking up early enough to been in central London for 7.30 in the morning is. No.
0: It's not going to be fun. <laughs> no, I always like, I like London after dark and later in the yeah. afternoon, the, the, the early morning thing. So, so we talked a bit about the Middle East and uh, we all share a bit of a, a link there because I've spent the last three or four years basically working out of that market in that area. And I think, you know, from a civil engineering construction point of view, as I, as I say to a lot of people, it, it'll be great when it's finished because they seem to be <laughs> building so much over. It. I mean, not to say because it's, it is very nice, but, but do you find that a lot of your, your construction civil engineering and I suppose some of the, the, the other professional services companies, are they looking at that that market the Middle East as a, as a future opportunity and are they growing in that sort of space or
2: yeah I think you've you've touched on Saudi already I think that that mm-hmm. seems to be the big growth area there's a lot going on in Saudi I think the last sort of 20 years have all been focused on on the UAE and Dubai in particular possibly the Abu Dhabi but yeah we've seen a shift definitely towards people working in in Saudi there's huge amounts of development and stuff going on in Saudi so I think that's that's where and we may well be focusing some of our efforts on that in the next 12 months I think and possibly other places like Egypt seems to come up mm. a lot in conversations so we've seen a lot of things and obviously Egypt's been big in the news recently because that ship got stuck in their river yeah. yeah but yeah so that there is all sorts of things going on out there we've seen people coming back as well from the Middle East so there's mm. quite a few people in our world who've come back to the UK who are looking and the cultural differences between here and there and that they're, they're finding that things are a little bit different so again adjusting to life back here yeah. where things are slightly different in the way that people interact and people do business together so it's there's all sorts of sort of changes going on and yeah. that will carry on for the next 12 months undoubtedly
0: yeah I, I mean Saudi's one I was talking to somebody else about that this week I mean if the if the, projections and the and I think we all know that some of the uh, the the, na- the nature of the projects that they give out in the Middle East are often not always, not always, don't always come to fruition. But but just on the numbers of, of the sort of stuff they're talking about in Saudi, and, and frankly they've got the money, so that's the big tick in the mm. box. If only a fifth or, or, or quarter of those stuff come off, it's going to be a, a huge opportunity from a construction and civil engineering and infrastructure point of view and all the other stuff that goes alongside that. Because it's not just the these big set piece pieces, it's the other stuff that goes with that. The airports mm. and the roads and the, the drainage and sewerage. and everything else that comes into it it's a it's a massive opportunity i think for a lot of companies and, and one that isn't you know i think for me the one thing i noticed when i went out to the middle east was that you're right the uae is is pretty well versed as most of the civil big civil companies are in the uae you go to you go to Saudi, saudi and very few of them have made that leap across Mm. so i think if opportunities that people are looking at that market i think it's i think it's definitely it's a bit of a it's a bit of a minefield but if you can work with people like yourselves who know it and have got the right connections in that Mm. space i think it's definitely worth the investment of of time because the opportunities will come but you need to really.
2: it has changed a lot Saudi as well because i first went out there trying to think when it was it must have been about 10 years ago and it was changing then becoming more liberal and it was becoming a lot more relaxed because they, I think they recognized they need to source the, you know, the oil is not going to last forever. There's all those sorts of the usual kind of reasons for for changing the way that the economy works. And so, yeah, so it was becoming more relaxed. I remember sitting in a restaurant and we were sitting next to a, a woman who didn't have a hijab on. So, And people said, you, years ago, that would never have been possible. You would never have sat in a restaurant in that situation. But things are becoming more relaxed and, and things do change over time. And I think it's going to become a far more attractive place to do business as, as time goes on.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and it's just, I mean, just, just on a simple fact, it's, it's becoming easier to get in for the first, mm. I mean, getting a visa, for I remember, well, I think I went first time about six or seven years ago and just getting a visa was a, I had to go to the Saudi embassy, I had to get things signed in triplicate and then stamped by grandparents that no longer, not quite that, but you know, we had to, the, the process of getting there was just become so difficult, they didn't really want people in, but now it's a pretty, pretty it's not quite as simple as some other parts of the Middle East, but it is a pretty simple process to get in and, and go there, So, not possibly in the COVID process, but before that it was anyway. <laughs> So, what are, in terms of the other key areas? Where are you seeing from from your again your client base is a, is a wide breadth of, of areas, not just the civil engineering construction, but the professional services space as well. So, where are you? Where else are you seeing your clients sort of seeing as the future targets or the future trends? Or where are you seeing your your efforts being placed? Should we say from from those companies at the moment? I think
2: geographically, the only, other the, well, one of the major places that we're kind of looking at is the Far East, the sort of mm-hmm. Hong Kong and places like that. I was thinking just yesterday. So we've had a, again, people moving away from the Middle East. we've got a, an old friend of ours that we used to work with, who's moved out to Hong Kong. And we've got an old colleague who also moved to Hong Kong last year. So there's a few people that we know who, who are out there, who are working mm-hmm. in that sort of Hong Kong, Singapore, all of those sort of places out there. And there's, again, there seems to be a lot going on that the, the the Chinese as well and you know, one of the big things that came up at a conference I was at a few years ago was saying you know the, the Chinese are great imitators and they are very good at, you know what we do in construction now and and technology wise they'll pick up and run with it and so yeah our colleague who's gone out to Hong Kong is a technology construction technology specialist and he's working for the the main contractor out there and the stuff that they're doing is yeah it's it it's fascinating, and he's 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 actually doing a, a webinar with us later this week on that whole subject of what Gammon, Gammon Construction is. The company he works for, mm. what they're up to, and what they're doing in terms of tech. and There's all sorts of things going on, so so that's a potential area as well. I don't know, Annie, have you got any sort of either? I guess it's sectors and and ge- geography. Yeah, but-
1: yeah yeah uh, i'll try to think I guess yeah the technology is a, is a big one i mean we, we work with a shit that so we've got an event next week with a guy who who he brings together latest technologies and kind of showcases them in these kind of 15 minute formats and and there's all sorts of stuff out there and I think you know the construction industry has been quite slow to pick up tech you know I remember when we worked at when we worked in our old company even even then you know not that long ago and you'd have these massive disputes on these billion pounds projects and everything would come on bits of paper and the would be you know they don't even know how to use a computer let alone yeah. do anything you know really really outstanding but now you know technology is is growing and you'll see more of that being used and I think you'll then need to see a lot more people trained in it and skilled in in using that tech because right now there's there's you know the the old school kind of construction people don't have those abilities and mm. um, so that's um, going to be a real growth area
2: and he's got a great eh? anecdote about a an old colleague which i think we can share because i don't think we're incriminating him at all he, he, he once turned to us and said you know i used to like the days when things were done <laughs> on pen and paper and we nobody could check your calculations
0: yeah well that's definitely yeah but i mean it's interesting because you know the idea of technology i'm talking to someone again correct them at least but some companies they're now looking at the option of, particularly things like BIM modeling, putting that out from the UAE and taking it and putting it in some of the Far East because you can get it done, you can send the chunk of work over there, manage it, mm-hmm. bring it back, and do. Mm-hmm. And and it's and they've sort of the UAE seems to embrace now. I think most of the companies out there have to up have, have to do all their design work on BIM and use it as part of their in, in, integral program. So they kind of they're trying to. Move in that tech space, obviously, that's a quite a basic level. But you know, some of the stuff that you're looking at in China and Asia, and you talk about some of this stuff that they're doing out there is, is even further up the state of the art curve, isn't it? Where you can virtual reality on buildings and how things yeah. are going to look and all this sort of stuff. It's, um,
2: yeah, and that's the kind of thing that we do with our client, Phil, who's, who runs a series of events called Glimpse of the Future. And there's loads of this stuff out there, There's so many different people. Sort of innovating, little businesses starting up and bringing all sorts of different technologies to the front. So it's yeah, there, there is loads of stuff going on in that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean you think about civil engineering construction as in a general term, and it's it's probably one of the only areas that hasn't really had a massive disruption to it in terms of mm. the way way things are done or way things have happened. It's not really it's not really had that big leap of changing the way things operate, has it? So some of this stuff pops is at the forefront of that, and maybe that'll be the be the next uh, iteration of of what the work we do. And stuff yeah. overseas overseas and, and sort of moving things in through virtual brilliant so i mean that's been great to talk to you both and it's obviously very you know the, the business you're operating in it seems like it's going from strength to strength even despite the uh, the little uh, heart palpitations last year <laughs> so it's great to hear so i suppose the only really course for me to ask you know how do people get in contact with you if there's people out there that are looking and looking to potentially get involved in some of these events you're talking about things like that what's the what's the best method for people to to use to find you to connect to etc
1: um our website www.lionslade.com we're on social media you know you can drop us a line our contact details are on our website and on on you know we're on twitter and linkedin and and all the usual places we're always yeah you know, we're always happy to talk to people we're always looking for People who are doing interesting things we host so many events that we're always looking for speakers and and people with something different or interesting to say about the industry so yeah
0: yeah Brilliant stuff. Well, we'll, get, we'll maybe put the link when we put the podcast out, we'll put the link on the, uh, the link will be in the description below for those that want to go to the website and have a look at it. And then you can find Annie and Stuart on the various different social media platforms, LinkedIn, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So well, thank you very much to both of you today. I know it's, uh, it's taken some time out of your afternoon, but it's been very useful for hopefully for the listeners and, and certainly has been very instrumental and keen for me. So I just want to say thank you very much for the time you spent and uh, wish you all the best.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: So thanks for joining me on Hard Hat and Tales this week. I look forward to coming back to you with more interviews from the world of construction over the next month.